I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Theology. Theology. Unplugged. We left off last time talking about uh, a syndrome. I brought it up. Now, this is this was only introduced recently to me. And um, it was it was on a I, I, I wish I could remember exactly where it was, but I'm just going to give you the idea because I know that this is going to come out more and more often and people are going to be claiming this because there may be some truth to it as well. I mean, it's it's one of these things. I mean, it, whenever you look at whenever you look at things like post-traumatic stress, right? I mean, we hear that all the time now. And some people, uh, you know, think it's it's really great that we've diagnosed it, and some people think it's it's not. And I, I don't know where I stand on it, except for I know that people have gone through real issues in their in their family life, in their past. There are things that that haunt you, and and I don't know what you call it. I don't care what what formal name you give these things. There there are scars that you have that are very deep that remain open. And call it post-traumatic stress, call it whatever, but things in your in your past can haunt you and hurt you and and keep you from being able to engage in relationships the way you should because of fear in society and co- contributions in all kinds of ways. Now you could go back and you could, you could talk about people's parents and the abuse that they may have in the past, or just some type of abuse that. Uh, I'm dealing with a girl right now that is doubting God and and can't get over a um, sexual assault, and it just haunts her and it and it makes her suicidal. It makes her um, not trust anybody. It makes her not trust God. It makes her mad at him. I mean, there's all kinds of things, and I don't really know what what it is that whenever I talk to her that I necessarily call it, except for you've had something in your past that's terrible. And uh, um, people are bringing up now, okay, because of the church and because of the way that the church has been, because of the oppressiveness, and, and then what they're doing is they're trying to label this across the board. This is basically a Christian thing. It's not so much that there's individual Christians that are doing this within the church. It's just if you grow up in the church, you're automatically labeled as somebody who needs to be dealt with psychologically because you have been, uh, number one, brainwashed. It's part of it, you know, the brainwashing to where they, they you have you begin you you begin to believe in things that aren't true. Um, you have been oppressed because you have um, been damaged in your mind into thinking certain things are sin that aren't sin that should be freedom. You know, you you've been oppressed in the way of your uh, sex life, and you've been oppressed in the way of your relation to understanding genders. You've been oppressed in your relation to just about everything. You you can bring it up, right? That we get taught within the church, and um, and th- this is something that. We're, we're looking at and we're saying, okay, if people are leaving the church 
And we look at the church and we say, why is this happening? And we search internally and we say, this is happening more than it normally does. This is happening more than it has in the past, which I'm not sure if that's true, but let's just grant that that's true because of all the statistics that are coming out. But let's say that all these people are leaving and they're saying, I found freedom, right? Because we talked last time about the freedom that people feel whenever they whenever they have doubt sometimes, the freedom that people feel whenever they begin to leave the church and the excitement that it gives them. Now, in part, people say, well, of course you feel freedom. I mean, you've been, you've been in bondage all your life. You've been oppressed all your life with, uh, number one, silly beliefs about God. Number two, hurtful beliefs about yourself. And number three, damaging to society beliefs about how to relate to other people. And sometimes I look at this and I say, man, we, we do do that. We often do have that. We often do damage people in some ways. Now, I'm not saying obviously in the across the board ways where it talks about damaging people and their understanding of sin and sexuality and stuff, but the, just the oppression that we have where we where we don't let people have the freedom. Now, now one of the things, you know, we're, we were talking last time about people leaving the church, and I asked you guys to come up with a way to prevent it, and what would you say to a parent that says, help me prevent this, help me do everything I can to prevent this at least. And um, one of the things that I remember a long time ago hearing about Billy Graham and his wife, what's his wife's name? Ruth. Ruth Graham. Uh, Billy and Ruth, he, he said, we came up to Franklin, their son, and he was 21 years old, I believe, somewhere right around there, and he was kind of living a rowdy life. And Billy Graham said, listen, um, uh, to, to his son, he said, listen, me and your mother have decided to follow the Lord. Uh, you're going to have to decide who you want to follow. And I thought, wow, what you're giving him an ultimatum? At this point in his life, shouldn't you automatically suppose that your child is a Christian no matter what? Because I'm sure Franklin had the confession growing up, you know, just like whenever you grow up in a Christian house and here you are and you're, you're, you're going to church and you're learning Bible studies and, and uh, you know, of course, all these children are going to say they're Christians growing up, but here he is with his son who has been through all of that and saying, you're going to have to decide whether you're a Christian. Isn't that interesting? I mean, think about it. The, the, the idea that you give the freedom at that point, and, but, but, but also the idea that you don't suppose too much. You're always, you're always kind of uh, trying to give them, give them enough rope to, to believe. Well, I mean, it, it would probably surprise a lot of people that he would do that because most people might think and suppose, probably not wrongly, that that extremely religious people, devout people, um, would uh, would do the opposite of that. Would do what you suggested, which is assume it because I raised you that way, yeah. and because I can't imagine or fathom, and I will not countenance or abide the idea that you wouldn't stay true. And also, I'm not. I certainly wouldn't say to you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it in your mind that that you have a say. Yeah. Well, now. Or that you might. That's not true be. in a lot of places. I mean, in, in a lot of cultures in the world, 
And I, I mean, I think, for example, this isn't the only one, but it comes to mind first. Throughout the Islamic world, I mean, certainly, there's, uh, you know, Muslim parents never say to their kid, now, choose you this day who you will serve. Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. No, it's like, no, the idea that you wouldn't be, I mean, that's just insane. Yeah. Um, it would be, it wouldn't, and it wouldn't and just be a crisis if you didn't. It would be, it would be serious, serious business. Yeah. Well, but I think the Grams and, and all, and everyone else who thinks this way is just trying to be biblical for crying out loud. Yeah. They might not want to do it. I mean, part of them might want to hold on and work some kind of manipulative magic to keep their kid from, from this, but we just know that's wrong. It's not biblical. It doesn't work. And and it would be wrong. When you said he was twenty one years old. Yeah. I mean, man, at some point, hey, you gotta own this. You gotta cut the cord. Right. You gotta own this and and you respect them as an individual by doing so. And if they don't own it and it's not theirs, then what are they anyway? Yeah. I mean really. At that age, what but, are yeah, they? But just think of that what you have to go through as a parent to to be able to seriously say something like that. Because you do have to think and suppose Maybe my child's not a Christian, and I'm not going to panic. I mean, what, was he really panicking well, inside? Was this something he had to build himself up to yeah. and say, okay, I've got to you know, try to try to not see that I'm panicking because I am. And, and it's like we said last time about the assurance thing. Everybody wants assurance. Everybody wants assurance for themselves, which is why one of the top questions all Christians have is a sort of the neurotic question about, how do I know for sure? How do I know for sure? Yeah. And... Everyone's looking for who will give me the magic, uh, who will give me sort of like the, the the secret. Maybe it's not secret, but what I haven't heard before that'll 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 lock it down for me and let me know for sure that I can know. And preachers will say, ah, "Brother, you can know that you know that you know that you know." Yeah. As though certainty itself is part of. Um, it's what they crave. It's like I want to know for sure, and then right. I then I transfer it to the people around me, and I right. want to know it for them. But biblically speaking, you know. Um, I think I think it's a we can echo Paul in a couple of places. Colossians he says this, Corinthians you can echo Hebrews as well. When they say yeah. to people, you can rest assured of God. Can you rest assured of you? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, persevere to the end, brother. That's <laughs> you know, how you know. That's yeah. your that's your only surefire um, way to be sure about you. Yeah. Assurance isn't a God problem. It's a you problem, yeah. but but you don't get it. You don't get a token or a trinket or a or a or a nifty Stamp. little thing to guarantee that for you. You're just told yes, you have been. It's that construction you see it. You see it in more than one place. You have been. It's it's a conditional statement. We see it in those places. It's conditional logic. It always it go, it goes like this. You said it you goes it you had put it this. Let's put it, it's an if then statement. It says. If, and then there's a future event, you persevere to the end. Then, past event, you truly, were. you truly were. But but isn't that crazy? I mean, for you to be able to say that because I here's here's where I've grown up, and here's here you want to talk about some traumatic, post-traumatic stuff if if we're calling it that. The way that I grew up, no matter what, no matter what, the very first okay, first thing you do is you get them saved. Yeah. The second thing you do is what. Oh, definitely. I know where you're going. No, it's like, I can't remember who said it this way, Doug Wilson or somebody who likes to put things in these kind of ways. He said something like, uh, we think the Great Commission is, uh, number one, 
uh, get them quickly and immediately saved by whatever means you can. And number two, waste no time in pumping into them one saved, always saved, exactly. and then cut them loose. <laughs> that's all. That's it. That's but your, but isn't job, that? Don't over. you think that that is? I mean, here I, I think that that is problematic. I, I think that that Definitely is problem. that is <laughs> that is wrong to assume. Now, uh, not assume the doctrine. Because the doctrine is is true, but to assume upon them that you know whether they're saved and even that they do yet. Because when if you say persevere into the end, there's so much implied in that word persevere. Because here's here's the deal: through these difficulties, he who he who uh, uh, perseveres into the end, you know, will will receive this. Jesus says three four times in Revelation, and and that's always the idea. Uh, through these difficulties, through these sufferings, once you get on the other side of it, I mean, you, you, somebody could ask me, Michael, are you sure you're saved? I say, yeah, I, th- I am. And uh, they would say, can you be more sure? I say, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, and, and then they would say, are you more sure than you were before? And I said, oh, yeah, for sure. And there, there's, there's this scale that maybe, uh, you know, I'm not sitting here doubting my salvation, wondering whether I'm saved. But once you, once you get through something that is hard, that is difficult, and you say, golly, I'm still here. And God, God has pulled me through this. And I still believe. One time I, I told a guy, you know, this was after so many of the problems that I went through, and this was recently. And I was talking to a gentleman and and um, I felt like that after, you know, going through all the, you know, the doubt, the depression, and then the drug abuse uh, with the opioids, I thought, you know, he, uh, he can't, I, I thought I was just kind of empty. There was just nothing that I had uh, to offer anybody or anything. And it was just, it was just a, a deep feeling. And this guy comes to me and he says, what do you have? What do you have now? You know, because because it doesn't look good from where I'm standing. I said, well, from where I'm standing, it looks better than it ever has. And he's like, well, there's nothing. I mean, what are you doing? What are you? What are you? What's what's your ambitions? I said, listen, you're you're looking at it differently than I am. I still believe, and that means a lot to me. That that means uh, so much. I mean, the, to get through it on the other side and say, my faith has persevered. Maybe everything else got stripped down, but isn't that what begins our journey and that continues it through into our sanctification, that faith? And to be able to pull that off and, you know, for, for those, everybody who's listening and you say, do you still believe? You know, uh, I, and they say, they say, yes, I do. I say, that is the greatest assurance there is. Just like you said, are you going to make it to the end? Because it's hard. It's a, it's a lot harder well, than we it, think. Is to it make fair it to the say end. to someone, which I think I bet we all have, when they say, I'm worried, I'm concerned, uh, what if I'm not? What if I, what if it hasn't been, what if I've sinned too much? What if, have you ever said to somebody, you know, the very fact that, that you have these concerns that you're worried about it. is a very positive yeah. sign because yeah. it's the guy who doesn't care, yeah. who has just sort of decided, eh, and apathy. That's the guy I'm more worried about. Yeah. Or the guy who so flippantly assumes he has such supreme confidence in his status, you, maybe you don't doubt yourself enough. And to me, I think we have to make this distinction and ask, who do you doubt? 
who really who's getting doubted here? Yeah. And I think it's look, it's normal for everybody to have passing doubts about God and about everything, but but I think a, a solid, grounded Christian will overall have a pretty steady, abiding confidence in God and the Word of God and the pro- mm-hmm. but but will and I think a mature Christian will have for the, all of life ongoing, recurring doubts about myself. But that's that's normal. That's You're, actually almost to in a in a roundabout way. It's encouraged. Part of examining yourself to see that you're in the faith is yeah. to doubt some aspect of the way you're living. Question yourself. The the way. Yeah. Do I, and what do I, I really believe? The, what you and and what is it I believe? Yeah. And and then you know and but I think that's a big part of saying. Well, just part of Christianity. It starts with the 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 two most important questions: knowing God and knowing self. What is God and what is man? And then uh, your sanctification is knowing God better and knowing self better. I mean, to kind of be succinct about it. Yeah, and some people might say, well, that's weak. You know, that's weak. It shows that you don't... Why aren't you more sure of yourself? But as you say, uh, the Bible gives us indication that we shouldn't be too sure of ourselves. Because, and even, I think some of the most, um, well, I think some of the strongest spiritual movements where you have holiness, and I I was was looking at... uh, there was a list that the, the the Wesleyan groups would ask each other. I guess Wesley wrote all these out. It's like twenty two questions, and they'd all meet to, every time they meet together, and they were all so introspective. And it's like even guys that might have been doing this, they by our standards, they would be considered extremely saintly by this point. But they every week they're asking each other and themselves, "Do I do this? Am I do this? Do I mean it? Am I harboring this? But am I? You know, it's like and that's good aspect. and healthy to a point. But then on the other hand. It can go to a sinful extreme of where all you're really doing is focusing on yourself. And the point is, is when you focus on yourself and your sinfulness to know yourself better, it ultimately should compel you you don't to want it to be narcissism more, well you think more on god and well, his think, grace I, I so think, it should always serve to help you think whatever, better about god whatever somebody's having and these doubts Christ. and they're talking about leaving or something like that you know what we've been talking about so far you know there is a couple of questions i think that are that seem like they're um that they may be side questions but i think they really need to be the center of attention and and number one you know what if you ask people whenever they talk about their doubts and whenever they talk about you know whether they're really saved. You ask the question, "Where else are you going?" You know what? What's your, what out there is more compelling that you're finding? And almost always, what do they say? Right. Nothing. I, I, right. I uh, no way. Are you going to atheist? No way. Are you going to Muslim? No, I'm not. Are you just going to to nothing? You yeah, know, they're even? going to self. Yeah, and, and at this point, uh, it's I mean, it's idolatry usually, of self. Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm not talking about the, that type. I'm talking about these type that you you know get this kind of neurotic. Uh, oh right! Yeah, like, fear. W- what was your other port in the yeah. storm? Well, but no, I think it also applies to the ones like you. You said earlier, talk about the people who um, start start to doubt and want to leave and walk away, and they feel oh exhilarated and freed from it. And I think if now if they're if what they're walking away from is a really distorted version a of shallow, a cult or yeah. some whack job thing, then of course. But if it's just if it's just standard. You know, historic Christian, what by whatever denomination, it's, then then I think uh, well, you're a fool because you think you're you think what you think you're walking into freedom. Yeah. Where are you going? Yeah. Like you said, what it's like it's like Jesus told the, his followers, "You guys gonna uh, 
You guys going to go ahead and hit the trail, too, like everybody else? Yeah, well, it's, it's very much what Adam... And what did he say? What did Peter say to him? Well, that's like Adam and Eve. I got no one else who can do what you do and say what yeah. you say. There's no competitor. Jesus try to get rid of people more than you? you want to, I mean, he really <laughs> he does. He trims the fat. He's always he's always asking those difficult questions that we're scared to ask. He's always, he's always asking those introspective questions to the point where I want to weed out those people, and I want them to really think deeply. You know, even the, the whole... Uh, you know, uh, John chapter six. Whoever eats of my flesh and drinks of my it's a blood, hard teaching. in modern terms, Jesus would have been like, "You think? I'm done. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that well, was my intent." You know, <laughs> here, here's another thing. One more thing, real quick, is that whenever people come to you and they say they're they're in this panic and, and a fear of doubting, I know that there's this oppression that you can put on them. I and this is what we started with. There's this. Oh, you shouldn't doubt and and. Um, you just whenever you're really saved, you just know that you know that you know. You know, mm-hmm. I know, you know, you ask me how I know he lives, he lives with my yeah, heart. Right. You know, and, and people come and what if they're really honest with themselves, they don't feel that. They they sometimes say, I've never really felt what what I see you yeah. feeling at least. And so that's like I used to hear used to hear the evangelist, they'd be like, Brother, uh, I'll tell you how I know the Lord. I talked to him this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. well, that's the way we make people feel sometimes. Yeah. Is the you ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. As if, as if there's just this this interconnection that I and have. Sometimes, with God. like I know him better than you know. But him. Is, doesn't it feel it's gnostic some, sometimes? It feels gnostic it sometimes. Feels, well, it is gnostic. I do think it is. And it's, it's a tossing it up basis for you because, like, tomorrow knowledge. I may not feel yeah. that way, and now I'm screwed. Yeah, because it's riding on me. Yeah, I had a guy call me not too long ago, and he said. He said, listen, I used to walk with the Lord every single day. And I used to be in his presence. And every time I prayed, I was there. I could feel it. I could feel him. I could feel the power of the Spirit. And he goes on and on. And the whole time I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, first off. Yeah. And then he says afterwards, but it's gone. And I'm scared yeah. to death. And I don't know what to do. And Can by the you way, help me? And by the way, you know how many Mormons I met in Utah over the years that would say this? Well, I visited this other church. I just didn't feel the spirit the way I feel it in mine. Hmm. Okay, well, that does it. Yours must be the true one. Yeah. Right. See? <laughs> by the way, you can... Uh, well, you do have to pray for a burning in the... Literally, that's <laughs> yeah. part of the... I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. That is no, like the link. That's the epistemic... That's foundation of the whole thing being yeah. true yeah, yeah. right yeah. that's how that works it's the burning it. in the bosom well so. if we can establish that as being the case then doesn't it just level out everything now i you, mean there's you, nothing you better use than that another to pew 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 shoot down all the criticisms you encounter from here to the to as long as you live on earth every book you ever read and every criticism about wouldn't Mormonism, that be scary? you would just wouldn't go scary? yeah but i had a burning but i was gonna say to you guys too i found a cool i found a title with the book the book title you ready for it yeah Post-Traumatic Church Syndrome, oh my gosh, a new is. book by Reba Riley. And you ready to hear the blurb? Yeah. This is like, in the yeah. blurb, it says that she, uh, it was in her 29th year, and she, you know, there was a bunch of stuff. I want to get to the thick of it, though. It says, um, so began her year-long journey to recover from her whopping case of post-traumatic church syndrome by visiting... 30 religions before her 30th birthday. During her spiritual journey, Reba was interrogated by 
Amish grandmothers danced disco in a Buddhist temple, went to church in a virtual reality movie theater, fasted for 30 days without food, washed her lady parts in a mosque bathroom, was audited by Scientologists, learned to meditate with an urban monk, sucked mud in a sweat lodge, uh, snuck into a Yom Kippur uh, service, discovered she didn't have to choose religion to choose God. What this shows me, though, too, is that what you said a minute ago, Michael, how people walk away and leave and they go to nothing. No, sometimes they walk away and leave and go to everything. everything. Yeah. And it's like it's like the Chesterton quote. He says, you know, people who who cease to believe, uh, it is is not as though they no longer believe in anything. Alas, it is much worse. They, they believe, in believe in everything. everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so you'll have, and I, we've all run into this too. It's like, well, look uh, at, look at, have oh, you, have I'm now a semi pan spiritual Wiccan Buddhist. Have, That's what I am yeah, now. Exactly. Have either one of you seen um, the series, the new series, uh, The Boys on Amazon? Y- yes. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's, uh, what, what it's is a it? whole it's take the, on the superhero. It is the, it is the top Amazon show ever. And is it, it? Oh yeah, okay. it's going wild. It's very good. And and in it, did you see the part where the girl who was brought up in the church, she was brought oh, yeah. to this evangelical rally, and everybody—I mean, it was just typical, you know, the the cliche uh, that the the world will do about evangelicalism, which <laughs> unfortunately is a lot of it's true, you know. Is that, yeah. Is she's going through this rally, and she gets up there, and she's to give the speech, and she's the superhero. She's the superhero Christian evangelical who got brought up in the church and here's her mom on the other side just getting ready to root her on you know saying this is what i brought you up for and finally here you are and she stops everything quits reading her speech and she says she says i finally learned that you don't have to believe the way you guys believe nobody does and she said i know all of you all are scared just like me but all one thing we do know is that nobody can be as certain, like uh, about their belief that uh, that you guys think you are, or we all think we are, and the whole idea is, it's this freedom from believing in the oppressive environment that she was brought up in because her mother was very oppressive and it shows that i mean here we go post-traumatic church syndrome is is it's being illustrated in these different places where people are breaking free from from their old rules and their their archaic mentality Mm -hmm. and and here we are and everybody in the audience is just loving it they're eating it up you know finally somebody's speaking my language but the problem is they're not I mean, that's not really the language. If if this was real, that's not really that the language um, that they need to hear from this girl who really wasn't of the faith. Mm-hmm. It's the language that they need to hear from us who we're coming by and we're saying, yes, this, but this. Yes, we can have our doubts, you know. And yes, you're right. We're not as as stupidly certain as you guys act like you are out there. You know, in my heart, I've got this emotional connection to God. I visit God every day, this kind of stuff. Nobody, we're, we're waiting for that. That's our hope. That's whenever the angel said, uh, you know, why are you staring up into heaven? This, this man who was taken away will be brought back in the end. He's not here right now. He's not, there. there is this, there's this lack, there's this, 
this mentality that we should all have that we're groaning within because because we want his presence and so we lack it and so and in that lacking there's this bridge that we're making up to perfect faith to to having where where paul says um you know for now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face and i don't think we really we've really come to terms with seeing in the mirror dimly in order for us to be able to even have hope of seeing face to face we work up this this some type and i'm not saying charismatic in the in the sense of you know, spiritual gifts in that debate. I'm saying we work up this charismatic mentality within us. Like we need to be more charismatic. We need to be more spiritual. I need to have more connection with God and, and act as if it's this, this esoteric well, we do. Yeah. Gnostic yeah. experience that yeah. we, that, and I'm not saying some people can't no. have that and don't have that because their personality. No, but I mean, it, it's ironic of, because it is Gnostic in one sense, but yet is at the end of the day, it's devoid of intellect. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? It's still yeah. appealing to, in a weird way, experience, which is like some sort of feeling, you know, as opposed to, you know, it is the disconnect. You know, goodness gracious, evangelicals have been harping on this for a hundred years about the disconnect between the mind and, yeah. do you yeah. know what I mean? And, 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 and belief. Well, Mark Knoll. And yeah, the, the scandal of the evangelical mind yeah. is that there isn't one. Right. So um, that, you know, that. And we shouldn't, we need to be less harsh than that. But I mean, we recognize that that's an issue, you know? Um, But again, that goes back to what we were talking about last week with, you know, the church has lost its footing on that. Um, And there's a number of reasons we don't even need to, we don't need to break it down. down Well, it goes back, we were scared. Initially, we were scared of modernity. We were scared of the modernist and what they were saying. So, uh, you know, retreated into our own little, you know, uh, cubby holes. Um, our little Jesus cubby holes, and then we really just kind of and well now though we have a whole nother battlefield, and that's post modernity, yeah. and they're retreating again, and they they've tried to relate, you know they like with modernity they kind of got that down, they got that down and how to fight that, but now we yeah have because the, we just became but, modern yeah exactly as opposed to combating modernism right yeah. I mean the the bad things yeah. of modernism we didn't do that we adopted and the, the and, and adapted. And um, forgot our foundation, and you see that with the mainline denominations retreating, or not even retreating, but they, you know, that's happened in the past 50 years. They've just sort of crumbled. Um, not all of them. There's vestiges of, of authentic, you know, evangelical belief, and they're, you know, bastions of those. But what I'm getting at is that now we have a whole nother thing. Um, that we have to contend with. Well, don't you guys think, and you'll like this, Glenn, a whole lot. I mean, it does, we wrap it all up coming right back around to that very first word that we used that maybe nobody knew what it was. And, and we need, we need it within the church. And Carrie said, let's teach it more. And that's epistemology. Right. Um, Look, another thing, I mean, we should probably do in our next whole episode on this. I think we haven't said enough about a cultural force that that has come with this wave you're talking about yes. that didn't exist i think even 20, in the modern area didn't ago. exist and and it's oh. it's bred a downright hostility that's almost uh so that people raised in the church i'm not even talking about outsiders who never had i notice in people that i've known for a long time they walk away and it's not just they walk away oh it's sad i just i wish i could still believe but i don't no they walk away and it's just a post-traumatic thing after they're gone, they turn around, and they have got the the most 
I mean, the bitterest self-loathing, yeah. like, you know, and it's, it's, um, I think we have to address where that's coming from, what has happened to make it not just that I'm just not part of this anymore, but I, I mean, I am, this is a disgust. Like, I can't believe I ever, and it's like Paul dealt with this, didn't he, when he would talk about certain people that sort of broke his heart because he says, they were, they were yeah. with me, they were, and now they've, they haven't just walked away. In some cases, they're now like made made me a sworn enemy. And in the end, it may not be easy for us to say, but we sometimes have to say like he did, they went out from us, but they were not ever of us. Theology 